Block Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Don Mazzella, and I am your host for a program devoted to identifying strategies and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are other entrepreneurs and experts offering their solutions to the problems and opportunities facing small business leaders. Our aim in each program is to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas or suggestions. So follow us on Twitter at hashtag 2SBDigest or at our website at www.smallbusinessdigest.net. You know, we have a great program today. Um, And our first guest uh, has a very unusual uh, business that I'm going to have him explain. But James Roman Acevedo has created Lawless Denim. Again, I love the names people come up with for companies. It's so creative. Uh, He's the first domestic uh, denim manufacturer in 100 years using vintage shuttle looms and uh, uh, something I really like, fighting Chinese competition. Roman, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, as we always ask our guests, Roman, before we get into what you're doing, which is one of the reasons we invited you on the program, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you came to reach this point. Well, um, it really, you know, it's it's been just that, you know, that American spirit of, you know, entrepreneurship and drive and wanting to create something new and exciting. I've always owned my own businesses, and uh, as the economy started to change and, you know, we just started seeing a lot of jobs coming and going, I started to really reevaluate what I was doing and how I was going about affecting those around me in my community, and that's really how we came about lawless denim well what do you mean uh, you were coming about what did you see that made and decided for you to um, go into denim what made you make this decision well you know prior to lawless i owned a computer repair company and that went really well we went into automation and surround sound systems and and we did extremely well with that and then, you know, the recession hit, and I've got 15 guys that have worked for me for six years plus, but now I've now got to tell them I don't have a job for them because there's no more work. And uh, that's a hard thing to do as an employer, to go to people that are loyal to you and committed to you and say, you know what, thank you for all your hard work and your sacrifice, but I don't have a job for you anymore. So once uh, you started rebounding from the recession, um, you know, it just kept snowballing. You know, what are we doing? What clothes am I wearing? What am I buying? What has contributed to this recession? And what I was able to identify was, you know, American-made products, the manufacturing is what we're lacking. So with that, I started to work on this project, Lawless Denim, and see how I could put people to work, because manufacturing is a long-term process. It's a, it's you know, people can make a career out of this skill set and be with a company for many, many years. And we have pretty much sent all of it overseas or south of the border, and uh, it's, dramatic, it's dramatically affected everything we do. You know, it's that uh, Walmart mentality where oh, I can buy a pair of jeans for 20 bucks, and uh, never mind what it took to get it made as long as it's, you know, it's a lower price point for me. Um, I just don't subscribe to that. I don't subscribe to the American-made having to be expensive is where I'm going with this. Okay, so you, you, you came up with the idea of denim, which was invented here in America, but now is all over the world. And you decided to use 100-year-old looms and uh, turn out a product that had value, but also uh, a good price. How did you do it? Well, it, it's, it has not been an easy road. You know, our, our biggest challenge is finding the skill set to do what we do. 
You know, um, tracking down vintage Drape X3 Draper looms, the same ones used by Cone Mill in North Carolina, was not an easy feat. We literally shipped them back from south of the border. We brought them back from South America, uh, 14 to be exact. We'll be up to 20 at the end of the year. And uh, they're on a slow-moving truck, you know, half of them heading over here to Phoenix, Arizona, and the rest of go to Los Angeles, where we will start our own denim and chambay production. So you're taking equipment that was exported, you're bringing it, you're importing it, and you're creating a denim. Are you creating just the cloth, or are you creating also the, the final product, the, the pants or whatever? We do. We're completely vertical. So we do the traditional salvage denim, salvage chambray, which, to my knowledge, has not been done west of the Mississippi ever. Uh, from there, we'll go into our factory where we have, you know vintage sewing machines, denim sewing machines that were still American-made in the early 1900s, and we produce all our own clothing, jackets, leather, pants, jeans, denim jeans, denim jackets. Everything is made by us. And what price point are you aiming at? You can buy a pair of salvage denim jeans from us for $79, which, you know, i got to tell you, if you do your research... A pair of salvage denim jeans is anywhere from $200 up. I, you know, I don't want to be misquoted, but a CEO of a major denim brand recently said you cannot make a pair of jeans in the U.S. of quality for under $200. And I strongly disagree with that. It, it can be done, and we're doing it, and we're profitable. Well, that's really something. But how are you able to uh, – um, are, uh, are you developing uh, mass production? How are you able to do it? Well, it's, uh, th there's really no magic here. It's simply understanding the process of manufacturing, setting up uh, you know, an assembly line, and producing a quality product. You know, we don't pay our employees uh, low wage. We pay them all a premium, you know, two to three times above industry standard. So they understand that we're there for them, and they're part of the team, and they're part of the family. And uh, they take a great deal of pride in what they're making. We offer a lifetime warranty on everything we make. We strongly believe these are going to be some of the best jeans or best jacket you will ever own. Well, that's encouraging because uh, bringing back but what made you what made you accept this challenge, which is a big challenge? And the reason you're on this program is because when I heard about you, I said we have to have you on because uh, uh, that's so different. Uh, that's going back to the old production ways. Well, you know, it was it was old American wear, uh, American made workwear that we used to produce at a reasonable price. If, you know, way in the early 1900s, in the 20s, the 30s, and 40s on up. Um, I see no reason for us to produce the exact same product in a day and age where we're more efficient, better technology, quicker shipping, and produce a product at that still that reasonable price point. It doesn't make sense to sell. For our company, we don't sell a $300, $200 pair of jeans off the shelf. We don't subscribe to that kind of a markup. No disrespect to any brand that does. There, there's lots of great brands out there, but I can tell you we're one of a handful of denim brands that actually make their own product, and that's something we're very proud of. And that's the difference. We don't have to meet factory minimums. We don't have to wait in line for one of the factories in L.A. or San Francisco to produce our product. When the denim comes in, it goes into the cutting room, it gets cut down, and it goes right into production, and it's a very smooth, efficient process. And that allows us to control the cost. Well, 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 uh, where do people get, uh, where's your distribution? Are you online or are you in stores? Well, we have, a, uh, we have our flagship store in Dallas, uh, excuse me, uh, that's the next project, uh, here in Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, we'll be opening in October a store in Los Angeles. And we currently have a factory in downtown Phoenix. We have a 
10,000 square foot factory here, and we're opening a second 10,000 square foot factory in downtown Los Angeles, where we will. It'll be our factory. We produce our own product. We're not contracting out our work. Well, where are you getting the money to finance this? Uh, there must have been a heck of a lot of upfront financing. It, it has. Um, it's just been me, and uh, i got to tell you, some days I'm a very rich man, and other days um, I'm lucky I can afford a cup of tea. It has its challenges. Well, that's every small bu- business owner. Yeah. It gets really uh, off the ground. How long, it, have, you, how long have, you, have you been doing this? Uh, I've been working on this, uh, this particular project for the last three years. We're coming up on four years now. And when did, did you sell your first product? How uh, many years 15th, after you started? October 15th, 2013, we opened the doors to Lawless Denim in downtown Phoenix. We were expecting 20, 30 people, 300 people walked in the door. And it's oh, been uh, nonstop ever since. How did you manage to get them to the opening? Uh, what it is was word of your... mouth, really. We, we didn't do anything more than that, some social media and word of mouth. But what's really re- unique about our store is you can walk in and get custom fitted for your pair of jeans, or for your shirt, for your jacket. For it, So a custom pair of pants is going to run you $125. Hmm. So, and you'll see That's less in the sewing machines and the cutting table, and it's all happening right in front of you. But what do you do with someone who... So, so you can only do it in your store. Can you order online? Yes. Actually, the online store will go live next week. We could not open the online store up until um, until recently because manpower was a challenge. We couldn't keep up with the demand in the store, so we couldn't make it available to the general public. We couldn't make it available you know, on an international level up until... Uh, until recently, and we are now tooled up in the factory in, Los, in Phoenix, and we're ready to take on that project. So we're ready to uh, open up on a national and international level and, and start uh, producing some really beautiful product and getting it out to the consumer. Well, how, uh, if, if you want to do it online, how does one um, provide the measurements? Well, online, we're doing our production run. So you'll be able to specify your waist and your inseam, and then from there you'll be able to pick the type of denim you want, uh, your button options, or whether you want a zipper, your inseam, you know, if you want a low-rise or a mid-rise. You can get very specific. We can't take your exact measurements yet, but uh, our new website that will go live in about 60 days will allow you to input all your measurements, and then we'll be able to make you a custom pair of jeans. So right now you can go online, and you can customize a pair of jeans. They're just not going to be custom fitted. Right. But and the fact that we give you the option to specify your inseam um, is, is one step further than any other brand out there. Oh, Definitely. Well, but let, let me ask you this. Uh, you're having a soft opening in October, but uh, to me the, the custom uh, side of it is most attractive. Aren't you kind of shooting your wad before you uh, really have uh, the howitzer ready? No, the, the, uh, the demand is, has been great for the product. You know, the reception is, has been wonderful. Uh, I don't doubt that. But it's the custom part that I think is really terrific. Uh, I have a problem with denim. Um, my wife, after uh, uh, almost 50 years, I started wearing denim, and uh, I now live in them. But um, yeah. but every every manufacturer is different. So you you know if you know what I mean, every manufacturer is different. So uh, I have to go try try them on physically. And, uh, you know, someone that says to me, it's a custom fit, man, I'm really interested in that. Yes. Well, you'll be able to, if you know your measurements, you'll be able to just fill them out online. If you don't, we have a downloadable PDF that you can take to a tailor, and they'll take your measurements. One of the things that we do so that we get a really precise fit for you is what we call true sizing. We don't subscribe to the vanity sizing because it varies from brand to brand. And vanity sizing basically 
if I'm a 32 in one brand, I could be a 33 in another, and I could be a 31 in another brand. It you, gets you a little messy. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, that, that's so I just wanted to explain what, what vanity sizing is. The difference with us is if you took a measuring tape around your waist and it says 33, we make you a 33. That's really terrific. Well, uh, what it, where is your website? What's, an, uh, what's your website or, um, that will be opened up? Uh, LawlessDenim.com. How did you come up with that name? Uh, you know, being in Arizona in the you know the Wild West, we wanted something that uh, that kind of embraced uh, what we do here. You know, we're breaking all the rules, and uh, being out here in the middle of the desert, we're using mostly Arizona product uh, materials, except for our denims, and uh, it just fit. It just seemed to work for us, so we went with it, and um, I happen to really like that name. Well, uh, we want you to come back on the program after you open the, uh, your, your website because uh, uh, you're doing something exciting. Thank you. I'd be honored. Thank you very much for that invite. Well, I, I see our, uh, um, uh, our uh, next guest came on and then went off. Well, hopefully they'll come back on. So uh, here they are. So let, let, let me introduce them. Hello. We have our next guest on. Hello? Uh, yes, Abigail or Jennifer? Jennifer, and Abigail is right next to me. Hi. Oh, okay. Well, your co-founder is a sti stitch method, uh, and you, uh, I'm going to let you tell about your, uh, um, your company and what you're doing. But uh, I've also asked uh, Roman Acevedo, who was my first guest and who has an exciting new line of denim, to stay on the phone and uh, chime in as we talk about it. Because as it turns out, we have um, two very, very interesting small businesses. So either Abigail or Jennifer, it's Abigail Ellis or Jennifer Philbrook, co-founders of Stitch Method. Tell us a little bit about yourselves personally before we talk about your company. Perfect. Well, first of all, thank you um, for having us on tonight. This is Abigail. It's really nice to meet you. Um, personally, I guess we can start with our backgrounds. Um, Jennifer and myself uh, originally started our careers in the marketing industry, and then we went into the fashion industry after that. So myself, I worked in the fashion industry in Los Angeles. Um, I worked on a couple of uh, actually contemporary denim lines, um, so that's great to have another denim company on the phone um, as well. And then my uh, primary role in the fashion company there, uh, in the fashion industry in Los Angeles, was working on the design team of a girl's dress line. Um, we did a lot of uh, mass market production and things like that. And then when I moved to Chicago, I met Jennifer here in the Chicago fashion industry, and I can let her tell you a little bit about herself personally as well. So hello, this is Jennifer. Um, as Abigail mentioned, I was working in the marketing industry, and then I went back to school to get into fashion. I then launched my own small women's wear line. It was just a small line of dresses. And I realized that I preferred certain aspects of running a clothing line over others. Specifically, uh, designing was not my favorite. So I decided to stop designing and partner up with emerging designers and do all the steps that I really enjoyed, which was more of the technical and production management um, aspects. I then met up with Abigail, and we had similar interests and similar backgrounds, so we just this February launched Stitch Method together. Okay, now tell us what Stitch Method is. Yeah, perfect. So here at Stitch Method, we help aspiring and emerging designers and clothing brands um, through all of the process of the product development steps. So we assist in helping them find their fabrics, helping with their manufacturing, um, and overseeing the process to make sure that they're staying on, on track with how they should be developing their line and their collection. Well, um, do you also help them market their product, or do you stop there? Well, with both of our backgrounds in marketing, um, we do assist with marketing and sales um, to a certain degree. 
what we found works best for our clients because they are so passionate about their brands and they're so passionate about their lines that they are really their own uh, best sales reps and their own best marketers. Um, we can certainly guide them with some assistance with sales and marketing, uh, but our primary focus is on the product development process. Okay. Well, um, Roman just told us about his launching the, uh, an American-based denim manu manufacturing company, and it sounds exciting to me. So, uh, but, uh, and I'm sure he had, he'll chime in when he's appropriate. But let me ask you now. Uh, I'm a struggling. I'm a designer. I want. I want to do this. I come to you. What are the things you ask them, uh, uh, a potential client, and then how do you answer that? The first thing that we start with, and this is Jennifer here, is we ask them where they are in terms of writing a business plan. Um, the first thing they're going to want to do is just do a basic outline of a business plan, depending on if they want to go to a bank for funding. It doesn't have to be you know, totally in-depth, but it just needs to be a, a nice outline to kind of hone in on exactly what their product is, who they want to sell it to, um, get down you know, their price points, where they want to sell it, and kind of just the basic building blocks of their idea. Okay. Well, let me ask Roman, did you do that, write a plan? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. You definitely need to know the direction you're going with this. Uh, you know, that's, uh, one wrong move can cost you a lot of money. You know, I definitely went through the school of hard knocks on this. Okay. So now we've written a marketing plan. What's your next step with a, a, a potential client? Once they have their target customer outlined and they have their business plan and they have a good direction on their products, um, we generally start into the product development step, which is going to be really the nuts and bolts of taking their idea or their concept and creating it into an actual product. So we do that through pattern making and sample making. Um, it's really a process to take an idea or a concept and turn it into something that, that's tangible. So it's a little bit of trial and error involved, um, but we go through the process of fitting and really getting their idea into a, a tangible product, like I mentioned. There's lots of things that people don't think about when they look at a, a piece of clothing, for instance, like where does the fabric come from, where does the label come from. So you have to you know, source all of those small details as well. Well, uh, a question I didn't ask Roman, who is your target um, uh, customer? Are you asking me? Yes, I'm Roman, yeah, yes. My, my, well, you know, we, uh, we're all over the board, really. I mean, we found through research it's between 18 and 35, but I have CEOs of companies walking into the store. I, I mean, we're, you know, I've got students from high school walking in saying, I can afford 125 bucks. I want a custom pair of jeans. You know, I want something new and different that nobody else has. So it's, um, it's really hard to dial that in for us. Okay. Now I'll go, I'll go, go back to Abigail. And, uh, how, and this is a question that I, I, we get a lot of emails from listeners asking this question. How do you determine what is the target customer or the target demographic for um, a, a fashion? I'm so glad to have you, you ladies on because uh, 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 it's a question that uh, we get a lot of uh, uh, new, new people, particularly in the fashion area, who ask this question. So uh, the floor is yours. I think that's a great question. Um, it sounds like Roman may have two different kind of target markets, it sounds like, or maybe even three. Like there may be a primary target or core customer, which is, is 18 to 35-year-old group, but then there are outlying customers there that are still interested in the product. So it's, it's going to be more of an art than a science, but in the fashion industry, your target customer, you're going to want to consider a few things. The age of that person is important. Um, certainly, the, um, the, their income is very important because that's going to determine what your selling price is going to be or what your ideal retail price point would be. And then also 
some lifestyle factors play into determining your target market? Are they athletic? Um, are they, you know, what kind of things are they doing on the weekends? What are their shopping habits? So there's definitely a lot of factors to consider, um, but I would start with those, those three, definitely age, some ideal income, some demographic information, but then also some psychographic information about their lifestyle, where you're going to find these people, what they enjoy do, doing on the weekends, what some of their core values might be, and more of the psychographic angle there as well. Well, well fashion uh, is such a, a transitory thing. What's in fashion today is out of fashion tomorrow. And what was it? How do, do you recommend uh, a, company tr a new company try to uh, catch the wave? or try to be a, a solid uh, a standby? There's a couple different ways you could go about it. I think maybe the best way or maybe one way that we would recommend would be to maybe do a little bit of both. So create a line. Um, say you're going to do just a women's wear line. Do some basics that you know kind of stay in style throughout the years, for instance, you know, a T-shirt's always in style, but then you're going to add it, want to add in some fashion items that are more on trend, uh, more of what you speak about in terms of like how things are always changing. And then they can kind of tweak those things as the trends change, but kind of keep their basics as always their best sellers the whole way through. Well, um, how do you help uh, people identify sourcing? Uh, you said that you helped them with the sourcing as well? We do, yes. So we help our uh, emerging designers with sourcing of fabrics, sourcing of trims. And trims are anything that's on the garment that's not made of fabric. So that could be buttons or zippers or hook and eyes or any kind of closures. We also help them source, sourcing with their labels. It's important to have a brand label and a content care label in each garment. Um, and sourcing is, is really a fun part of the process. Um, what we do, there are fabric vendors and trim vendors nationwide and internationally that we reach out to for our clients that are looking for specific items. Um, we kind of source wide and pull in all of these things that we think may be a good fit for that particular product. And then we meet with our clients and we narrow down which ones to actually use to move into the product development steps with. So it's a fun so process to see. Uh, it sounds like fun, but it sounds like a lot of work. But um, it seems to me that you're short-circuiting uh, uh, the learning process for a lot of would-be designers. Is that Would that be a way of summarizing what you do? Well, we can, we can help them in a number of ways. So some clients come to us and they already have a full-time career, and they're doing their clothing spare time. And in that case, we can do the sourcing for them. We can do a lot of these steps for them. But then we have a lot of new emerging designers that want to learn the process themselves. And so for these clients, we can um, teach them how to do the steps. And we're actually launching a new class called um, Stitch Method 101. It's going to start September 6th, and it's kind of like a fast track uh, fast track, sorry, to learning the whole development process. And the whole goal is to, over the course of six months, teach these new designers how to launch their own line. Uh, is, uh, is the course online or is it uh, in person? How do you do it? The course is going to be offered um, through online uh, Skype consultations as well as uh, weekly calls. So it really can be anyone can participate nationwide. Well, that sounds exciting. Uh, I've often run into um, particularly young people who really, and, and I, I admire them for it because they're jumping off a cliff with, uh, and hoping somebody builds a swimming pool before they land. And it, it seems that what they don't know is often far outweighs what they do know. And uh, it, uh, oftentimes I'm hearing their tales of woe. So you're saying that if I'm again, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, um, you're really there to help them over the initial steps. But once they get started, do you continue your role? 
That's a great question, and you are correct. We really do help guide our clients and guide these emerging designers through the process. It's a huge learning experience to go through it one time where you're learning about all these different fabric names, all the different terminology that the manufacturers use. So we do help them learn a great deal the first time they go through the process with us. Our end goal at Stitch Method is to have long-term uh, partnerships with our clients. So time and time again, because as you mentioned, the fashion industry is changing, we'd like them to come back to us to develop their new styles, to uh, do their you know, do the work on their new lines. Because every season, or even sometimes um, more frequently than that, our clients can be developing new products. Roland, don't you wish you had somebody like that when you started out? It uh, definitely would have helped. <laughs> uh, I'm involved with a, a company, and I sit on the board of a company that has made every mistake. We're in a brand new industry. Um, a rapidly growing one, but we've made every mistake that we could possibly have made. Um, uh, and it's been a, le a learning experience for me. How do uh, uh, I'm back to the uh, to the two the two ladies? How how do people pay you? Do, do you take a percentage of sales, or how how do you work? We every client that comes to us is in a different part of the process or they need assistance with, um, you know, something unique for their product. So what we do is we put together individualized um, estimates and scope of projects for each client that, or potential client that we speak with. So it's really catered to the help that that individual brand or that individual designer would, would need from us. This is fascinating. I've not run across a company like yours uh, in the fashion industry. We are uh, in a new product category here, that's for sure, but we have found that um, it's a needed product category. We get inquiries from designers every single day. Well, how do they find out about you? Um, there's a great website. It's called Makers Row, and it's a great resource for new designers. On that website, you can find um, different fabric vendors, different manufacturers, um, other companies that do similar things to us, uh, pattern makers. They also have a, a great blog that gives tips about launching your own line. So it's really a great resource for new designers. And um, we do blog on their website as well. So that has given us a lot of um, great contacts. Well, I'll go back to Roman for one minute. Do you have a blog or anything like that? You said earlier that uh, it's been more or less word of mouth, but what do you do for advertising and to generate? Uh, well, customers? for us it's been uh, social media. It's been a great tool, and then word of mouth. And because it's such a unique venue, we've had quite a few uh, write-ups and interviews and such that, you know, because of what we're doing, it's just it's never been done here in Phoenix. So um, that's really all we've done for advertising. We do have a blog that we'll be starting up with a new website here soon, but our primary goal right now is just to get it get the store online. Well, let me let me go back to our marketing experts. Uh, <laughs> I've, what I know about the fashion industry makes me dangerous, but uh, I do know that getting into magazines uh, and obviously. A, if you make it into Vogue or one like that. Do you help your clients um, uh, figure out how they can uh, develop uh, a following into uh, game recognition? We do. Uh, we always say that you need to start thinking about marketing as soon as you're starting to think about developing your product. So as Roman mentioned, social media is huge in this industry. So we really encourage our clients from the get-go to set up their social media outlets so that they can be posting photos of the development process, which is kind of a behind-the-scenes look into what a fashion brand may be going through uh, that a lot of their customers may not be aware. So it's pretty cool from our end to have our designers already marketing, already using social media, and being able to post the photos 
and the inside story of the behind-the-scenes development process. Well, uh, that brings in an interesting point. Do you help them identify photographer, uh, photographers and other people that can help them? How do you photograph a, uh, uh, a product, particularly a fashion product, oftentimes uh, is critical? Do you help them in that respect as well? Yes. We have a great network of photographers that we work with. So we certainly um, pair them up with a photographer, and we are certainly available to help with the photo shoot to get the best angles and best shots. That's the fun stuff. <laughs> it always is. Um, let me ask you a question I've always wanted. What's the ideal sample size, two, four, or six? I think that's a great question, and I think it goes back to what we started this conversation off with, with who is your target customer? You always want to go back to that question, and that's going to, if you have a very clearly outlined target customer, it's going to answer um, things like this and help you make decisions through the development process. Well, what's the name of your website? Our website is our business name, which is stitchmethod.com. And if they want to call you? They can absolutely call us. All of our contact information is listed on our website. Um, I'd be happy to provide our phone number as well if that's... Well, that's what I want you to do. Oh, yeah. Okay, perfect. <laughs> it is area code 312-771-2282. Will you please repeat it? Yes. Our phone number is 312-771-2282. And Roman, what's your phone number if our audience wants to call you? We can be reached at 602-753-3940. 602-753-3940. You know, we're talking fashion. Uh, I'm going to go to Roman as, a, as the last question for him. If you if you're someone a fashion designer, or or someone starting a business which is fairly unique as yours is, what what piece of advice would you give our audience? Um, you know, it it really what we learned it's it's about branding. Very, be very true to your branding. Very, be very specific about the message, especially in social media that you want to put across to your consumer so that they can resonate with your brand. If, you, if that's not in sync, you'll just lose them. That's, that's great. Now, what, what would you recommend? What, what do you tell someone that comes to you the first time and anything else you, you'd like to tell our audience? Yes. Oh, I would kind of go off of what Roman just said. I think knowing your branding in your target market. You need to know your target market inside and out and how to find them and exactly to make sure that your brand follows up and is on point to match up with your target market. Well, let's keep – let me ask you another question. Um, I often see these young kids, and I talk to them in the, we have the Fashion Institute, and I always do a, a day with them. And it seems to me that one of the key things is you have to have some money behind you. Um, do you ask them that question and do, and do you discourage them if they don't have enough funds to push this through? How, how, do you, how does one decide, I have enough to at least start? That's a question that we get very frequently. Um, and it's one of the things that we cover when we have an initial kickoff meeting with our clients. We go through their individual products. We do an estimated costing. We always start approaching the product development with a, with a business standpoint behind it. So figuring out the costing is... And then based on that, what they need to do is estimate enough cash flow to be able to produce and develop two seasons worth of style before they start seeing a return on their investment. Because as we've mentioned, things are changing in the industry a lot. We're very seasonally based in the product development. They may be starting to sell 
say, a fall collection, for example, but behind the scenes, they're already developing the spring. Um, so it's, there's no set answer of you need X amount of dollars to launch a line. What I can say is most, it is an expensive endeavor. Um, there's parts of the process where you could certainly save, and we can advise our clients on where to save, but there's parts of the process where you don't want to cut corners, where you want to you know, invest in uh, quality patterns, for example, you can use season after season. Okay. Uh, Roman, one last comment you'd like to make? No. Well, you know, when it comes to designing your own brand and, you know, doing what you're passionate about, all I can tell you is that when you go into this, there is no plan B. There is no option B. you got to go with it with 110% commitment and follow it through. It's just, it, you just really have to be passionate about this because this is an industry that, um, that will eat you up if you're not ready, and uh, they're not very forgiving. So you, you just really have to work hard, and you'll find that the consumer will come to you and they'll love what you're doing if it's something that you're proud of and it shows. Abigail and Jennifer, what final thoughts do you want to say? One thing, we would like to congratulate Roman. It sounds like you are doing an excellent job with launching your, your denim line, and it sounds really exciting. And we agree, this is a competitive industry. So in order to enter it, you do need to approach it strategically, like we mentioned, with the, the business and background first. And then also stay passionate about it, because like we mentioned, you are your own best marketer, your, your own best sales rep. You need to be the one that's enthusiastic and really driving the brand forward. Well, thank you both, Roman, for staying on, and, uh, and I'm going to be one of your next customers. And uh, uh, Jennifer and Abigail, um, uh, I, I'm going to call you and talk to you further, because I find this fascinating. Um, and I'd, I'd like to know a little bit more about your, your company and what you do. And I hope you'll come back. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Well, thank you. And have thank a you nice very much. Time. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Good night. Our next guest is Clara Santava, but I'm sure I'm mispronouncing her name. But she's turned her secret recipes into a successful business. Clara, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, um, Don. Good, uh, good evening. How are you? I'm fine, but Clara, you're going to have to talk up. Our audience okay. can't hear you. Okay, I'm sorry. Can you hear me better now? A little bit better, but be forceful. We met you at okay. the f food show, and mm -hmm. we loved your products, which we'll talk about in a minute. But first, we always ask our guests a little bit about themselves. Uh, and also, how you pronounce your last name? My last name is uh, Sotonova. Uh, originally, I am from the Czech Republic, and I came here about uh, 15 years ago. And um, I, I've uh, moved to the Berkshires in uh, Western Massachusetts, and uh, this is where I have been um, ever since. And um, I um, used to work at the summer camp, and um, then I started um, school. I went to Berkshire Community College, where I studied um, hospitality management. And um, after that, the whole business idea started, and uh, here I am now. <laughs> well, we, we like having you here, but you're going to have to be almost shout. You, I, I know you're a quiet person because we talked a, a while, but uh, this is radio, and okay. he who hollers last, uh, loudest, uh, gets the most attention. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I don't want people to listen to me. I want them to listen to you. All right. Now, now tell us about your company and what you do. Um, we um, make um, gourmet cookies. We use all my great-grandmother's uh, recipes. These recipes I've had for um, generations. They've been passed down to um, me from my great-grandma to grandma, 
my mom and then me. Um, so we make very traditional European-style cookies. Um, they're small in size and not too sweet. Um, we make uh, coconut macaroons. Um, which, are, which are terrific, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> um, the cookie that actually started our company is the vanilla walnut crescent. Um, it's the uh, buttery, powdery um, sugar cookie. Um, also, we make linter cookies. And we make all sorts of uh, shortbread um, cookies, which are very popular in um, in Europe. What made you decide to go into business? Um, I've always wanted to work for myself. And um, when I met uh, now my husband, um, we were both working in the food industry. And... One day I baked a vanilla walnut crescent for him, and he said, these are awesome, we should make these. So we started doing our research into uh, licensing and um, insurance packaging and everything that we would need to start a business. And six months later, we, we started. Just like that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, having said that, um, you started in business. What did you do? How did you uh, uh, go from from your kitchen to having a company that's uh, had a big had a big booth at uh, the fancy food show? Um, we actually started out of our small um, 750 square feet apartment um, in Gray Barrington. Um, in Massachusetts, uh, you can actually have, um, you can bake out of your home if it's a fully cooked product. So cookies are dry, generally. So that's uh, something you can do out of your apartment. So that was the first that we, um, first license that we really needed to uh, half was the health inspector to come in and inspect and tell us what we need. And once we got that, we were like, okay, that's good. <laughs> so from that there, uh, the business just grew and grew that our apartment ended up being more uh, business and storage shelves and everything else. And... Um, we needed to move on, so we found a two-family commercially zoned house um, where we, which we purchased, and we have the bakery on the first floor, which is about 1,400 square feet, and we live upstairs. We have also, um, the business has grown significantly in the last year, and um, we are outgrowing the current space. So what we had to do is rent um, warehouse space where we storage all our um, packaging materials, um, dry ingredients like coconuts, which we buy by pallet, um, dried egg whites, sugar, and everything we buy in the larger volumes, we uh, we store there, and we also do uh, some of our shipping out of that location too. If we have a larger shipment via pallet, where large truck needs to pull up, that's where we do all our shipping from. Well, and, um, go ahead, you're well. talking. Um, and currently, we are also in the search for um, larger space probably 5,000 square feet um, where we could move our bakery because we have streamlined what we do. We've updated, rearranged everything here in the bakery to get us through um, the six months of the year, September through December, when it's very, very busy. And um, so we're hoping that 
January, February, or March, we'll be able to uh, find location and um, move the business to be more functional. Okay, you're growing, but um, uh, how did you go from a little kitchen? I mean, did people discover you? Did you go out? And, uh, where can people find your product? And by the way, what are the name? What is the name of, of your company and your products? Okay, um, so the, our company name is Clara Gourmet. Um, we are also on a, on our website too. We have um, it's www.claragourmet.com. Um, you got to spell it out because you spell it with a K, and most of us would spell it with a C. So yes. spell it out. So it's K L A R A S G O U R M E T dot com. So what we actually did, um, because um, at the time when we started the business, um, my husband was a sous chef in the restaurant where I was the front of the house um, manager. I've met a lot of customers that way. So networking, talking to people, um, you know, we had interest for uh, parties and um, retail orders and gifts. And then uh, we started some farm, doing some farmer's markets. And um, one day we got approached by a local store of Guido's in Gray Barrington that they would be interested in carrying our cookies. It's a, it's a type of store that's similar to Whole Foods, just mm. on a smaller scale. It's a family-run business. So we started exploring that um, that route and into packaging and um, shelf life and everything else, and uh, that's actually how we started selling to stores. We started uh, with them, and then we're like, we'll just take some samples and go from store to store, and what is the worst that people can say? No. <laughs> So that's uh, that's how we grew from originally being mainly uh, focused on uh, online sales and retail to 95% of our business is wholesale now. Really? Mm-hmm. So, so you're in Lido's, are you in other stores in the New England? Uh, yes, we are. We are in um, about 200 stores, um, in uh, mainly in New England. Okay. Now, you went to the fancy food show. Mm-hmm. W- what did you discover for a small business at a show like that that you'd like to pass on to uh, our audience? Um, it's it's really great show, uh, especially for networking and being out there this was this year was the second year that we uh, did this show and what we noticed was that there was a lot more interest in our product people that for example walked by our booth last year when we were there for the first time actually stopped this year because it, it, it seemed that more people see you more they believe that oh this is a real brand these are this is a real company they are here to stay and they are more willing to take a chance on your product um in placing placing it in a store so so sometimes the first time is not good but the second time is is much better yes yes because first time we were kind of we did get um, new customers, we got results, but we were kind of, the money you spent, was it really worth? But we've heard from um, other vendors at the uh, Fancy Food Show, you know, saying it's really more you do it, better it is, because you are in people's eyes, you know, they see you, and they, that's kind of what happens. And it, it really, it truly did. 
And actually also for us, I think this year was that our coconut macaroons were um, the finalists in Outstanding Cookie category for the Sophie Award. So that kind of um, put our brand in in front of a lot of people, too. And I think that was another reason why um, more potential customers stopped to see what we do, who we are, (laughs) and try a cookie. Well, I have to tell you. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say that uh, the Fancy Food Show is definitely a great, um, great show, not only to get new customers, but also um, research, uh, packaging, um, ingredients. You know, it's just just the networking that happens there is really, I believe it's very important too. Well, I have to tell you, your coconut macaroon sure stopped me. Thank you. No. Um, What advice would you give... um, someone starting out or doing what you're doing. What have you learned that uh, you'd like to pass on to the audience? Let me see. It's um, success does not happen overnight. It it takes a lot of um, hard work, a lot of hours, (laughs) and really willingness to give up something to gain something to succeed you really have to be willing to um give give up something but um it's the main thing is if you really have a dream just hold on to it and just go for it and don't give up don't give up there are bumps in the road that happen but you know you grow better by making a mistake. You learn from your mistake, and you just you got to move on and really keep going. Well, That's you said, yeah. I'm sorry. What was that last comment? I stepped on your line. Oh, no. That's, that's what I would um, suggest. That's what, I, that's what I've learned from um, our business. Well, you said you have to give up things. What sort of things did you give up? Um, time, a lot of um, um, lot of working hours, <laughs> weekends, and stuff, and um, being here without my family. My whole family still lives in the Czech Republic, but it's. You know, this is my new life, and it's um, it's there. Everybody's very proud of me, so <laughs> that they should me be. Going <laughs> um, I always forget now that there's two parts, but I think Prague is one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Thank you. Yes, it is. It's gorgeous. Is, are you from Prague? Um, outside of Prague, about two hours. Mm. I was um, the the Prague Spring of 1968. I was booted out of the country by the. I was covering it, and I was booted out of the country by the communist re- the regime for my reporting. And I've always had a so- soft spot for it. Mm-hmm. Wow. But so um, again, the name of your website. It's clarasgourmet.com, and it's Claras with the K. Okay. Well, uh, thank you. Uh, I don't live in New England, so I don't get a chance to buy your uh, cookies. Um, But uh, uh, when I travel there, I'm going to go looking for them. Wonderful. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, thank you for coming on and giving a very great uh, introduction uh, to your product and to what has to be done. Thank you. Sure. Thank you very much. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience 
and profits. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you heard today, tell others about our efforts. If you would like to be a guest or suggest topics for future hours, email me at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's info at smallbusinessdigest.net. We would also like to remind listeners that besides our radio efforts, Small Business Digest comes to you via the web, through our video channel, and in our magazine. You can subscribe for any or all of these by going to smallbusinessdigest.net. That's smallbusinessdigest.net. Thank you, and have a good day.